When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody and welcome to the episode 7 of season 2 of GNVR Nuggets' Serbian Corner. I'm your host Miroslav Cuk and I will be joined in a couple of minutes by my good buddies Rayvon Hakshow of the Everybody Loves Rayvon podcast. No, no, that's not true. It's the Four Corners podcast. Ray hosts with uh, Peter aka Buckets since 88 and also Voya Medic of the Nuggets Serbia podcast. But before I let them out of the shadow, I wanted to do a quick recap of what happened to the Nuggets since we last saw each other. First of all, they've split the New York, New York back-to-back, narrowly losing to the Knicks, but then equally narrowly winning against the Nets. After that, they took care of the sorry Washington Wizards while packing their bags to come back to Denver and play two of the best Eastern teams, both with serious MVP contenders. It went really well. First, they crushed the Bucks in the second half for a 23-point win, so they could concentrate on the Philadelphia 76ers. Shams Terrania dropped the Joel Embiid interview on the morning of the game. Jojo used it to try and discredit Nikola Jokic as an MVP frontrunner, and then doubled down by being an early scratch from the game in Denver. And that was the fifth time he ducked the Denver game in the seventh season he's been playing in the NBA, or if you include his first two redshirt seasons, he hasn't played there in seven out of nine seasons he's been paid like an NBA player. Harden also missed that game, but he was really rehabbing from an injury, and of course, they both played in their next game. I am glad the Nuggets won that game easily, even though they did let the Sixers get way too close to them by the end of that game. Finally, we got this last back-to-back from the last two nights. The Nuggets played against the Pelicans without Nikola Jokic, but with all the other guys available, so they were able to generate a whooping 95 offensive rating. Yes, they were missing some open shots, but it's really rare to see a team that is that cold from the outside for all four quarters, which was enough for 14% three-point shooting. I was the loudest advocate of Jokic Stagger, but seeing how good, god-awful the other four starters were without him at this game, I'm officially off the Jokic Stagger minutes. At least for as long as Michael Malone is the Denver Nuggets coach. And yes, I'm going to be a bit hot takey today, so just wait. After the embarrassing loss at home, the Nuggets traveled to Phoenix without four starters, AG and the bench mob couldn't keep up with the full-strength Suns in the first half, but they were, you know, down 20 at the big break, but then they slowly clawed, uh, clawed back uh, in, in the game and were two possessions away from pulling a great upset. So that loss felt way less horrible. Okay, that's enough ranting from me. Please let me say hello to Voya and Raven. Hello, Voya and Raven. Hey, Voya. What's Moyoslav? What's going on? I muted my mic, so I don't say anything. So I forgot to unmute it. So hi. (laughs) (laughs) Good catch. Good catch. So guys, I am literally uh, hoping to God that that this regular season finally ends and we can (laughs) go to the to the really really you know uh, uh, basketball with, with real meaning. So. How do you cope with these last couple of weeks? We still have to wait for all of it to end and unravel. Ray? Uh, I'm just an addict. I'm not going to lie. I still enjoy every game that I watch. I love every detail. I could go for year-round basketball, even if it wasn't uh, the most meaningful to most fans. I think, you know, I find it pretty enjoyable, and I'll miss it a lot. That's that's fair. I watched... Uh, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. The last I, I managed to go through the last game with 
might have like three or four minutes. I didn't didn't watch the. I didn't know who the, who we played. Who was the game? Pelicans. That was that was painful. And yesterday, I'm not gonna lie. I I turned off at halftime and watched the replay today because I wasn't gonna spend another like two hours on the second half. Even though it was a fun game, I, I'm glad I watched the replay. But instead of that, I watched the South Carolina Iowa college women's college game. That was that was a banger. That was like a good like get you out of your get you know kind of like a playoff playoff atmosphere. And then after that, I was like, I'm not going back to to Nuggets without everyone playing <laughs> playing the Suns that are clearly don't even care to show up or at least our trash team, which I'm I'm up for the either of those. We got the update uh, from the NBA and NBPA that they they finally made an agreement on the new CBA. And I was looking at some some of the new stuff and nothing really revolutionary. I was really hoping they would shorten the season for just a bit, so so they would make some of these uh, regular season games more meaningful. I've been I've been dialing into the Euroleague lately a lot, and man, when I see that 34. Uh, games schedule it's just every game is on the on the knife's edge it's just every every goddamn game means so much to every team in order to 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 go to the top eight and uh, yeah i i would really like for 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 no teams to be completely out or completely locked in the number one seed like like the nuggets were for the last couple of weeks (laughs) it felt like a drag That's the 72 seems like the is just basically the last couple of weeks you would like the next 10 days and like the previous week you would just eliminate. That kind of makes sense. Like we're, we're kind of in a, okay, like we're done. Like no one's kind of going through the motions. So I, I, I agree there, but can, can the CBA interest you in 83 games per season? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I bet they can. Uh, for me, it's kind of like, I would like to see teams just approach it a little bit differently. Like, the last couple of games, or the very least the Suns game, I really enjoyed watching Peyton Watson, you know, for the first time this season. And if he had gotten some opportunities a little bit earlier, I'm not saying he has to, but I think we love the NBA playoffs and we feel we feel that the uh, the championship is the most important thing. Um, I, I do feel like that takes away from some of the meaning when we're down to like an eight, nine-man rotation of like, okay, these are the playoff guys and that's what matters when it's still you know, December, January, February. So maybe if we saw a little bit more of the other guys, I might care a little bit more, at least just being interested in the future. One of the most uh, interesting updates to the CBA is the rule that the player needs to play in at least 65 games in the regular season to be, you know, able to get any of the individual accolades from the All-NBA, All-Defense, MVP, and so on. So... Do you guys think that some of the guys that like to take, you know, breaks from playing will be willing to to reduce their per game, you know, averages and just play for a one quarter in every every, you know, fifth game just to just to formally have the the number of games re- required. You go Ray cuz I, I have a rant. <laughs> Okay, uh, I, I think it has to come from somewhere, right? Whether you're limiting your minutes, or I think some players, I think about LeBron, I think about Jokic in this way, kind of limit their effort in certain contexts where you're like, okay, I'm going to play 38 minutes, but I know when the game's important, I know when the game's not important. It's it's garbage. Uh, well, in in a way, so I, I agree with there should be some limit as in, okay, the game's played, but it's i believe what what they're going to do is especially because the media is voting it's on a computer being like okay 65 this is averages statistically this is the best player blah blah every it's basically going to be like a an you know informal agreement where even though someone comes in and plays for a minute the the guys that are voting they're going to look at 65 games and let's say someone had 63 and are hurt they're gonna might they might come in on the court foul and like you know like the Drew Holiday I don't know if you remember last year where he had a bonus of like two, two I think two hundred twenty five k to play a game but they were already like settled in their spot so he just comes in fouls and gets out of the game but technically he logs like thirty seconds of play or fifteen seconds of play so someone might come in and like just get two of those situations like one possession games 
and then people that are going to vote, they're going to smart and, and just go like per 75 possessions per these minutes and basically eliminate these outliers where they just showed up for like a few possessions to get to 65. So, so it just was like a weird, cause that's, I don't know if you guys saw the list, people have been pulling out like what, who's would be ineligible this year. And it's like, you're like seven of your 15 best players in the league are ineligible for any awards. And you're like, okay, I guess it's, you know, you're honoring like Fox and Randall, but then MVP award would now be, it'd be Jokic, Tatum, Fox, Shy, and Sabonis and Randall. Like that, those would be your like top five, six guys that have over 65 games at this point. Yes, but and that's, that's, would... that's because there is no limit required. And this is why they, they've played so few games. The idea behind this is to force players to start playing games again. Because if you look at the 90s and the 2000s, all of the best players played 75-plus games. I mean, in most of the seasons. So that's, that's I guess, the idea behind it. And I'm, I, I really am for it. I mean, I just want to see, for instance, if Joel Embiid will be able to average 34 points per game if he's forced to play in 70 games. I mean, that, that's going to be a nice he's already He's pretty much there. Like, he's 63. Well, like This year. Yeah, this yeah. year. <laughs> well, the, the, my to be thing clear. is, mostly, like, the problem there is is with injuries. Um, if you miss, and you're 63, and you're hurt, actually, like, hurt, and that all-NBA selection, because MVP, usually, they take that into account anyway. Like, all these years, except maybe this year, they might give it to Embiid, even though he has like the least amount of games, blah blah, whatever. But the the All NBA and stuff that uh, that affects uh, the that affects their salary. So that's like a little bit of a weird thing. Like if they are hurt for fifty for seventeen games, um, or actually eighteen games, and go under the sixty five, then that like the you know the kicker you know comes in and they're they don't have like a thirty million bonus. Like that's the weird part. Again, they have a little bit more like chances, but you know, someone gets like Jokic gets drafted, doesn't play for a couple of years that much, so he doesn't have a shot to go in all NBA. He has the one year where he's good the last year and he gets hurt, but he's really like would have been put in into the all NBA. He doesn't, his contract gets affected. And that's the problem is like they should have separated those awards. And the problem is also historical, uh, historical stuff is. Now with legacy and like assessing the Hall of Fame and stuff, then you're like, oh, now we gotta like go back and you know retract. Like, okay, we can't count like all NBA if there's like three or four instances where they were really had one of the best seasons, but they played 64 games. That's like the part that's gonna get tricky. And I really, honestly, we talk like I think it's weird. I think it's gonna come to these situations like a Giannis like rebound for a triple double. <laughs> Uh, where they're going to come into the game even like on one leg just to log in those minutes, log in those official games so they can be chosen into this. And and the voters are going to ignore based on those circumstances, but like, screw it, like that's 65. Um, so it's kind of like the the blocking. You remember like they, they assign like zero, po- zero blocks to guys like to qualify and like Miles Turner was supposed to get like the blocking champ you know the blocking title but he didn't have enough games to qualify so they just wrote in zeros and he still was the number one yeah, uh, yeah for yeah. the average that so that that's kind of like a weird i mean but overall it's yeah honestly i don't care like as much as i <laughs> much as i'm saying now like who you know cba everyone's like pissed about it i'm like yeah yeah it's 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 millionaires yeah. fighting the billionaires so yeah that's that's basically it. <laughs> it's funny they're like oh we players lost again it's like what did you expect you came into to a business deal with a bunch of billionaires they're not billionaires for by accident like they know how to cutthroat this th- thing and as much as you guys think you you you're like a big deal because your players like you're still you're still like probably inexperienced in all these dealings with these ruthless like capitalists they know how to screw you in every turn so I'm not surprised. Like again, the the players lost. Yes. Would you be more okay with it if we added, say, like a minutes threshold? Say you have to play in a certain number of games, but you also have to play ten minutes, yeah, fifteen too, minutes, yeah. twenty minutes in those games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 never easy when you're trying to thread a needle to try to to uh, to to set an example of how the superstar should actually behave but we'll see we'll see what what the future uh, holds uh, really is what Voya said there are more uh, serious injuries than it used to be in the past 
it's because the game is so much more physical right now because everybody needs to cover you know the 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 full half court yeah. like on almost every possession which that that's something that never happened in the past so it it makes sense that guys are getting more injured and they need probably more rest well than the, before. the thing is there the, i would i would call back on blatko's interview when he said he doesn't like to miss workouts because the body gets used to it that is also a thing that might be like a weird side effect of like oh i want to qualify for the number of games to get this award so i can get the contract money that might cause like the, the the situation like oh i'm playing more my body's getting used to this wear and tear and it's hardened by these contacts and it, it was just because because spurs are the one that started low management kind of right like with the parker duncan but they were so i mean they were old and had so many miles yeah. on that like body that was like old man strength at that point so their low management didn't affect like when you talk about guys that are 21 and load managed they still haven't hardened and so you you low manage and you come back into this like highly like intense physical environment. There might be like a situation. I don't know if people have done research about you know like scientists done research on it, but it might be like a situation where they are not hard enough. Oh, so they come in and they get hurt based on you know you got you know we all know when you don't play for a while you you get thrust in you know some and you get hurt and but you shouldn't be you, you on your mind you're like I shouldn't be hurt by missing like a month off, but then. You realize like you alone manage for a month, but then your body is not used to that stress. And so maybe that that kind of balances it out. But it's just I mean, I, I think we're going to see a lot of those like there's a jump ball foul. We're going to go out of the game and get the get to games. Yeah, you're right about the young guys. We all know about the the, the rookie wall, like guys yeah. playing for 50 games. And then yeah. after that, they cannot play anymore because their bodies are not just used to the, the 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 marathon the yeah. NBA really is okay. Let's now jump into the, our first team for today. <laughs> when I was preparing for this episode, and I started that after that Pelicans debacle, the main thing that was populating the basketball part of my old and tired brain was the fact that we all know this is the best Nuggets team in the Jokic era, and one of the most talented ones in franchise history. But the non-Jokic minutes, and even more concerning, the non-Jokic games, look like they're played by a very young, inexperienced team that is still getting used to the speed and physicality of NBA games. And we know that's not true. This is a team with a lot of veterans. Most of the players are in their primes. But still, 3-7 and without Jokic, that's like a 24-25 win space. That's a bit worse than the Charlotte Hornets, who, in all fairness, did win two games in a row against the mighty Dallas Mavericks. But I digress. This is Michael Malone's 10th season as a head coach, eight of them with the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic. And before that, two seasons with Boogie Cousins in in Sacramento. And Boogie Cousins was arguably the best passing big man just before Jokic. So if you look at the last 10 years... Michael Malone couldn't have had better passing big men than those two guys. So my question to you guys is, does Michael Malone even know how to play without a great passing big? Is it just a really great coincidence that he's so good at that, so he maximized Nikola, but on (laughs) the other hand, he's struggling for so many years with every non-Nikola minute? Go for it, Ray. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, sure. I So I, I've gotten the general impression over the years that Michael Malone's a very defensively oriented guy, and I can tell how much he focuses in on those details, the, the rotations, where you're deciding to hedge, how far you hedge, things like that. What I don't always see is that same level of detail being paid attention on the offensive end, particularly when we're talking about things like screening, how to set screens, how to set guys up for those screens, how to cut off ball, how to move and run consistently with a high level of focus and intensity. Um, But I I don't want to put it all on him in the sense that right now, I also feel like Outside of Nicola, there is a lack of a certain kind of responsible steward of the game from a ball handling perspective that I think makes it a little bit more difficult where all these players are kind of dependent on Jokic to set them up and sort of control the game. 
Um, and, and I love Jamal Murray, and I don't want to take anything away from him either, but I also feel like his best role in the NBA is as a scorer, is his levels of focus and sorts of uh, dead-eye Kobe-ness. And, uh, you know, we don't really have a Monte or Alonzo Ball or some like someone like that who's going to sort of uh, make it their main priority to set everyone else up around them for success on the offensive end. Yeah. The, the interesting part was I, I commented that on on Twitter that I'm not it's yeah you would you're right like it, it's not it's not a bad team that's the, what's what annoying is like oh Jokic is like no help it's like it's not that it doesn't have help it's sometimes how they're presented and you're right and it was weird because the Clippers game like Jamal right Jamal had a triple double at that game they were I think they just seemed a little more healthier. And also, I think they're they're in also the mode of like, oh man, we gotta play like seven of these, like we're done, like let's just get this going. One thing is is that I, th- I think that just the level of focus is different from those games that they won in, in the beginning of the year when they played without Jokic. Um, second thing is a little double edged sword from the fact that you have a Jokic is that you're not your you said that your job is is to be a responsible ball handler, not to turn it over and mess up basically the stuff that he creates for you. And that's kind of a different, you know, right. If we have, if we had 20 games without Jokic, like would we see a Philly situation where a lot of these guys know how to play already without, without Embiid. Um, And then, you know, so they know how to just shift a different style when when Embiid's not there. So that's, what's kind of interesting. The, the other thing is with with Malone is is not my, my I mean this thing is we don't know what's kind of going on and like we don't know at what level of preparedness Jamal is how much they want to actually get all these guys to like play the thing is um, just the, the, they had like nine misses in a row before they called a timeout and actually set up some plays that made sense from the start to set up because Gordon is like your basically your passing big man when you're playing that kind of small ball, especially with Thomas Bryant. So it was weird that they haven't already had a plan implemented. Hey, when Yogi's not playing, we're going to run basically same sets to begin and get the ball to Jamal. It's something that's already like a muscle memory. And Gordon's like big enough that he can do the post-up moves and bully, bully ball, but also create from there. And so that's the part that I was like, oh, this sucks. Like, how do you, how did they not get this? organized beforehand how do they don't have that switch okay he's not playing let's do this because th- th- those are the details that are going to decide for the playoff game if you know when Jokic rests and they decide to shorten the rotation and have Gordon in there or he's in foul trouble or you know something happens like basically just mostly like let's say assume assuming he's healthy just foul trouble or like those substitution minutes and especially because you could they could they should have and could have implemented some some of the moves that you play differently and kind of go back to 2018-19 when they actually were running up the scores even then when Jokic was on the bench because they would have, you know, they would get Plumlee, but Plumlee is not exactly the type of Jokic guy. They would still have, you know, fast breaks, shooting. Honestly, I thought they were getting getting to that point with the second unit when all the all switch unit with Vodko Brown and Zeke when you had like KCP and Murray, just, they were just buzzing all over the court. And I thought that was the plan. And then they went back into regressed after the trade deadline with Reggie, with Brian and trying to implement. And basically just like went back to the beginning of the season once they already figured some stuff out that was actually interesting. And kind of yesterday you could, or even in the Pelicans game yesterday, you saw that bench, quote unquote bench unit that came in was like good against the Pelicans because they already know how to play without Jokic or at least like how to, behave when Jokic is not on the court because they've done it already. Starters look lost without Jokic, which was weird. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would add also is that, you know, for a long time, I'd been someone who really advocates for Vlako Chanchar, not just because yes. he's young, but because among the non-starters, there are very few players in my mind who are that sort of person who can think the game in such a way that they can take the ball out of Jamal's hands and let him just kind of focus on being himself that you know and that's kind of where he's thrived from when he's come in the league all the way up to now i think when he can just focus on being a bucket i think that's when he shines yeah vladko Vladko actually is you know that 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 there was this graph about all the nuggets players and their true shooting with and without nicola uh, in the in the five 
and Vladko is the only guy that actually shoots even better without Nikolai in the in the on the court, <laughs> which is yeah. an interesting wrinkle because some of the guys like like Bruce Brown shoots like like fifteen percent better with Jokic than than without him. That's it's it's just an amazing difference. So yeah, Vladko, I agree. Vladko was a very logical way to go instead of Nikola and just just plug him in there and try to 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 do a lot of similar things to what you already do but on the other hand <clears throat> i'm just i'm i was just furious to see our two max guys not being able to to do anything substantial in, in that pelicans game because i i mean i do realize those guys are not the top tier uh max guys like there's like only like 10 top tier 10 uh, uh max guys in the league it's 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 very logical i mean if you go to milwaukee you have chris middleton and you have drew holiday those guys are not also the top tier uh max guys but they are max guys but i don't know man I, it's, it's just when i see the 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 score from philly and from uh, philadelphia or from phoenix or any other great team without their best players, it's just they they just play much much better than what what the Nuggets are showing. So it's it's a concern of mine. And God, please just don't let Nikola get hurt for a couple of games in the playoffs because I don't I don't think at this point they could beat anybody in the playoffs without him. Yeah, like for yeah, a couple yeah, of yeah. games. If they just well, yeah, would yeah. have to lose a couple of games because he thing was... is, I don't, the thing is, I don't know who who could. That's the that's kind of the maybe the maybe the Nuggets would look the worst optically without Jokic and would lose the games. I don't know, like if you are not like it was a Dallas that the the beat Utah and Utah was like basically just were like checked out and Brunson turned out to be you know. Bronson from the Knicks, you know, from the Knicks yeah. team now, which is like a good one number one point guard. And was in Memphis was the other one because they're they're young and so like late, were layered last year that they could win games without John Morant. But otherwise, I don't, you know, Brooke, you know, when uh, Booker who got hurt, like Pelicans kind of took advantage as a young team last year. Chris Paul as well, you know, you know when Davis got hurt that uh, the Lakers year when Phoenix went to the finals, they lost the series like. It's one of those like, but I think like you, you're right with the also like you know how they look and 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 if they can even hang, that's you're right. I don't think Nuggets could hang. The thing is like they, they that that was the weird thing is like they look so good against the Clippers that like January thirteenth game. I don't know why that team went, <laughs> and I think that was I think they were finding out that stuff that was when Vladko was playing when Brown was playing. That's why I go back to you guys were saying about Vladko and I see the comments they were talking about Jeff Green and stuff. The thing is, like, I always go back to what my point was. Brown over Devon Reed was always same similar. Now with Vladko over Jeff is Vladko. I think does these little things better and is more of like a playmaker in the little things that actually prop up the rest of the team than just a couple of like oh a couple of buckets and a huge dunk. That's what, like Jeff Green for me is like because I saw it was like loose balls recovered. He's like three hundred forty first in the league, Jeff Green. And that's that's a that's an issue when you have a second unit. That's that's one of the weird things. Like, cause yeah, last year he was decent in the starting unit, but he's surrounded with all this talent. He just needed to like kind of finish plays and and not like mess up too much. With the second unit, you kind of need people to go up and and do little things like Christian Brown does. And and you know, and Jamal when he plays with them, he's like also when everyone is around him like doing well. When they start running, is is the point for me with that unit. And I think like Flacco is the guy. And so I think if they had that, then it would be a different story. It just now it's just kind of all these like veterans that are optically okay and like okay, but not actually contributing to like get us over the hump. That's my issue. Yeah, and with good, I, I and your point about... with good with with good defense, Lotko, exactly that too. To your point about running, I also feel like the pace of the game, I think, is a really important factor as far as like how well they're going to do without Jokic, where mm-hmm. where they look the absolute worst is where the pace slows down to a crawl, both in the forecourt, but also in the half court, too, when they're, you know, when they're running single action possessions or maybe a possession with like two actions. I, I think they really struggle, but when they can kind of connect 
multiple three, four, five actions together in a sequence and kind of create pace in the half court, I think that's a really big factor as far as them creating not just good looks because they find open shots even, you know, in this sort of like ugly version of basketball. But I think it's that confidence that comes from knowing you're going to consistently find them in the rhythm of the offense that also leads to better shooting, and especially from guys like Bruce Brown, from Blatko, from, from, you know, a lot of these guys who aren't going to create on their own because sometimes Jamal can just go off for 45 points, just not even in being in rhythm just because he's that talented, but not yeah. everyone is that player. Yeah, That's a really great point. I mean, when I look at the starting five, Jamal is always the guy that's, that's slowing the game the most. And Nikola is actually, even though he looks slow, he's actually the one that's that's picking up the pace usually. And when they don't have Nikola uh, on the court, they don't have the luxury of having that uh, one action possession. Because when the game, when the ball finds Nikola on the block or even on the on the on the elbow or sorry on the on the top of the key, he will usually find a really really good solution in 90% of the possessions and when you don't have that kind of lux- luxury i agree with you ray you really need to try try mixing and matching stuff and trying to trying to find something better than just uh, just the one action possessions yeah. i agree and the, ri- the rhythm is you you know you you talked about bruce and and block and these guys they're making shots in rhythm when it's your mpj is horrible i think it was is it 20% when on on threes when uh, Jokic isn't playing in games and he's not playing and that's one of those things like getting getting to understand that okay with Jokic like you're kind of you're more I think probably more relaxed because you know you have him and with MPJ he knows in those situations I have to make this but you but as, as you said Ray when it slows down when that half court of theirs gets bogged down even those open shots are not coming in like complete rhythm he's either like the pass is either a little too late because it's not Jokic passing the timing is a little bit off or he gets the ball like a little early. So he's not, Oh, should I dribble? Like, what should I just jack it up immediately? And it's under, I mean, that's the thing is that's how, how complex NBA is and how easy Jokic makes it look. So we don't sometimes understand like what kind of goes into all that stuff and how, again, how you can get used to that rhythm. And then all of a sudden, Oh shit. Like we're, we're, it's a different story completely. Like, you know, Monte goes to Washington and his numbers drop, even though he's like a good floor general, but his numbers drop because it's a different style. And he's also has different types of shots that he has like a little less time on the three point shot. Like, you know, he can't dribble up in it. The floaters are not completely there because there's no gravity pulling towards Jokic. I heard a question. I saw a question in the chat. Like would, would the second unit be struggling if Monte was still here? The thing is like, Two years ago, they were still not great. Like Monte was coming in as a starter, basically as a closer in, in the Portland series, in the Phoenix series, I think he eventually started. But the bench was still struggling. You still had like double greens. You still had that Hartenstein, JaVale McGee. Like it was kind of all over the place as well. It's because of like just the rest. Well, at that point, it was the rest of the crew that was not great around Monte this year. Maybe they would be fine, and and you would you could have a f- all five unit with Monte and all the switch guys. But if you still have Jeff Green and you would still force you know Reggie Jackson in the three guard lineup, you would have the same problems as last year when they were Faku Monte and like Bones would play together and like stuff like that. That's the that was that's the issue is like the combination. It's not just Malone. It's just a combo of like okay these personnel, these decisions that Malone makes, and then and then the fact that like Jokic is so good that. Sometimes you get you know you, too used to that level of easiness that gets around you when he's there. So it's kind of a, all over the place. That was a comment. Then he bones his offense, and he was again that that was the thing. He's like he was also not good because of the infrastructure. He was good with boogie and and because that's that's the fa- that's why we love basketball. And that's why we like to analyze it because it's not just that simple of like here's a good player play. This is a comment I, I see often. I just don't think Jamal is good enough to run a unit by himself. We don't know that, guys, because we have never seen him do it for like 15 games in a row to get a real sample of it. And and not only sample, but allowing him to to get into that role, to, to really try and, and, and pull the, the team on, uh, uh, on his shoulders. But I, I do agree it doesn't look too promising. 
okay. Thomas Bryant would look a lot better <laughs> if Monte was here. That that's what I my main Probably. thing is like Probably, it'd be nice yeah. to have a point guard. You know, Bones yeah. didn't look good because he didn't really have that center. Now that we have that center, we don't really have a point guard yeah, to yeah. pair with him in that they way. Kind of switched player. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is that the, the the DeAndre was DeAndre would have, would have been great with Bones if it was DeAndre from like seven years ago. You know, stuff that would have been like the good combo because you have a high flyer. Now he's like really. I mean, you see him now like he's huge. Like it was always he walks into his screens. Yeah, he walks. Yeah, he walks. He walk. He rolls. You know, walks into rebounds and and then dunks maybe. But which is again, it's it's you know that's why it's interesting to have a the roster spot. And I was always when well, always I didn't like it when they signed him because it looked like he was the only one before we knew that they might have a switchable small ball unit that might work defensively. But when you see him like in some of those games where you can plug and play him. If there's a if there's a lumbering center and a backup center on the other side, we can put DeAndre for like seven minutes, just to kind of control, like you know, get get in the paint and just kind of do the do the like the you know, the bull in a china shop, just kind of get everyone yeah. out of the yeah, patrol the paint for just a little bit, not like obviously, you know, last night the whole game, like he's a, well not whole game, he's a starter, like that's kind of a even though it was okay, but it's not a <laughs> it's like you don't want that all the time. Okay, after these last. 20 really depressing minutes about the number one seed in the West. <laughs> Let's take a short break and then we'll move to something else. And we are back. So, the MVP race is coming to its close. Thanks God. Only five-ish games left for all the teams and we'll finally get some rest from the, all the narratives and bullshit arguments used to discredit the guys that are not in the agenda of people making those arguments. At one point, it became so disgusting, I completely stopped caring about it, even though I normally care about it a lot since I chose to become a, an amateur Jokic biographer. <laughs> I was finally free of it all, and then Joel and Bid had to drop that lousy interview and pulled me back in. So I used to like Embiid for his off-the-court stuff. For years, <laughs> he was very positive about Jokic. And I guess it lasted until he recognized they're going to be rivals for the individual accolades. But after all that happened around their matchup that never happened, I'm now super low on him, and it's going to take years of him being nice again. And by the way, that's totally not going to happen before I like him again. So... What's your two cents on this subject? Is it two cents or five cents? Two seems a bit low, right? Well, when they mm. said it, it was probably a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably what it is. You could buy something with two cents at the, at the time. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't blame Embiid for caring about the MVP the way he does. I, I'm okay with it. I just felt like I've always cared. I want him to win MVP. I feel like it's going to be cool. Uh, not him. When I say him, I mean Jokic, just to be yeah. clear. And um, the weirdest time for me was the two to three week window where we as a Nuggets collective were pretending like, oh, we don't even care. MVP doesn't even matter. Never even wanted it. Didn't even. You know, I, I think the for me, the MVP and playoff success for the most part, they're independent things. You know, Jokic could win the MVP and we can get knocked out in the first round. Uh, Jokic could win MVP and finals MVP. Or, you know, neither of those things could happen. So I'm not upset um, that Embiid has um, taken on a bit of a Mallard identity. A little uh, quacking going on. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I'm, I, I had it. I'm going to be honest, like, I really didn't care. Like, I, so first one was a surprise. I was like, wow, he won number one MVP. I'm good. Like, this is, didn't expect this ever to happen because I was always, I always go back to the 2018 19 season when they were the number two seed. He was averaging like 2010 or 2011 and, and seven assists. And he was like behind Paul George that had Westbrook averaging a triple double next to him. And they were six seed in the West. And so I was like, if that happened, like if they put George ahead of him, I was like, there's no way they're ever going to give him an MVP. And I still maintain that he wouldn't have gotten it if everyone's maintained healthy, 
because especially after the bubble, you saw what Jamal did, and they would have always said, like, oh, he has Jamal. Like, he's not the MVP. So this kind of weird thing that, you know, the ACL kind of caused, like, this, uh, th- this like, resur- you know, a surgence of Jokic and, like, a- a appreciation but when he gets these teams to, to so you basically, like, he's, like, the Tim Duncan style of, like, oh, he's on your team probably around 50 wins in a season. Last year, couldn't believe I went to sort the minutes from last year. I was like, okay, we well, was sixteen. Like, quite a few. You know, I understand people getting mad, and then you look. Oh wow, this is the team that had forty-eight wins. Like, what? Of course, he was the MVP. Are you crazy? Like, you had Devon Reed, like eight hundred minutes. You Jeff Green was starting for sixty-two games. Like, Monte Barton, where you starting backcourt. You have Compazzo and like Marcus Howard, and, and like you know, getting a lot of minutes. And so I was like, man, they gave him a two. I'm like, this is the guy. Couldn't even dream of this. So I muted MVP and Embiid like weeks ago. I said in January, like, I think Embiid's going to win because it was kind of like trending that way, even though Jokic was doing his thing. It was just how I was building up like that straw poll. We were, my friend and I were joking, like, Jokic was getting praised by the ESPN, a lot of media, up until that straw poll when he became first again. And then that thing dropped in a dime shift. Like, <laughs> we, oh, he's horrible on defense again. Like, there's no more, like, oh, he's actually not that bad on defense to now he's, like, a traffic cone. He's the worst. Like, Kirk Colesbury's like, oh, he's the worst allowing um, allowing uh, layups since they started tracking in 2013. You're like, okay, 10 years of sample sizes, whatever. So I was like, I'm muting this. I don't give – I don't care anymore. And then somehow, like, someone did, like, a weird, like – not Embiid, but, like, some shift of words that end up, like, going through my Twitter filter – and I was like, okay, what the hell is happening? And then I unmuted Embiid, and then I saw the comments. I'm like, why did I do this? That pissed me off so much. And I wanted to win three MVPs, four maybe last year with like averaging 35 a game if if they give him free throws now, and then and then the title, because it was so lame. Like again, he's doing the. It just tells me what, how he commented in that article that he can reads Twitter all the time. He just regurgitated every bad take everyone has. And it was like, but then it was prefacing it. Well, I don't care. <laughs> you can say you care, and then you also like just be a man and like say he sucks. I'm better than him. I should be the MVP, and be like, okay, tip of the cap, fine. You're not even mentioning the name. Then you're doing the the pouty mouth, like, oh, or I, I'm not. I don't care, but I actually like care secretly, and you want. I want you. Know, I want you to like me, and no one likes me. When it's just pathetic, and so I think he should have just either like came out be a full villain, and then does the thing of like, oh, I don't care, I'll be an asshole. Like oh, I like being the underdog. Like, dude, you were the third pick and the title of the process of the rebuild of Philly. There's no underdog in you. Like you can think that, and that's like the weird, always like the 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 biggest. You know, the, when Duke goes this year, you know, University of Duke, and he's like, we're the underdogs in this NCAA tournament. Like, are you are you like what's going on here? Or the Lakers when they say like everyone's against us and the refs hate us. You're like, okay, something's weird here. So that would just piss me off. And then you do that stuff and then you just don't show up and not even sit on the bench. And then what? And then you play the next game. Like it was so lame. It was just and then he does and comes out again and says, Well, I wasn't ducking anyone. I played him once. Like I, you know, my my stats speak for themselves. <sighs> what? Like is that so what's the okay? You, so now like Steph and all these guys should have just retired after last year and said we're the greatest ever because like we won and no one beat us after we won. <laughs> like that's basically what it is. Oh, I have forty seven against him. So he, if unless we meet in the finals, like I have that for the next year and a half until we play again. If I don't skip again, you know. he yeah, has just, hundreds of millions of dollars. He has his burners. He has his Drew Hanlin. Why do you have a maturity of a 12-year-old? Like, like, come on, man, be better. There's no reason for you to behave this way. You already have the machinery on, on your side. Why do you need to drop so low? Is it possible that this urge is so strong that there's nothing that you feel shameful about? Come on, man, be better than that. I'm really... I'm really disappointed in him. I'm always disappointed with when great basketball players talk slight about their peers because it's like, come on, guys, you are the best out there in the world. Already, the, the salaries in NBA are so high 
you already have like 90% of all the top players in the NBA. Like out of 450 NBA players, probably like 350 are, you know, among the top 400 or whatever it is. So everybody is awesome. Just just don't do that, man. Just, I mean, sure, you, you, you build a rivalry. That's, it's not a problem. Of course, you should build a rivalry. That's, that's good. But come on, be better than that. Well, it's it's just I, I'm gonna go back on just disagree a little. I don't care if they try. They should. I mean, they they can trash talk as much as they want. I respect what Dylan Brooks does more than more than what Embiid did. At least like Dylan Brooks is you know is a jackass, but at least he comes out and is like Draymond sucks. He's awful. I'm better. Cool. Like it's you know you show it, you don't show it, you lose, you win. You know it's fun for us. Like you know I really don't engage. I really don't care. But like, okay, I'm gonna pull up Memphis and Golden State in general as a fan, and so, oh, it's a little extra spice on the court. Oh, why is that? Oh, because he said he sucks, and now Draymond's you know upset and wants to play. But then he does the, you know, whispers to Draymond's like, oh, I actually played, be- you know, played well. So you- because you said Jokic was a tougher guard, and and then I yeah. lost and scored 46. Like I'm satisfied, and it's just that like weird. We we, we mentioned a lot of times like. Well, the more we follow and the more these players have social media and like come out and like talk, the more you'll realize they're like insecure as any other person in the world. It may be even more yeah. so because of the public image and they're just lame sometimes and a lot of times. And it, I mean, it's, I don't care. That's the thing is like, that's, I'm not judging. Like it's just, then you can't like, because it's okay. You're insecure. Like you, know, you accept, you move on, but then, acting as an underdog and people are against you and there's like spinning these like narratives that, that people hate you and then introduce like racism and a lot of this stuff is like what it's, it's that that part is like that's why i muted because it's when it went when it, when it went into kendrick perkins invoking that and then inviting a whole different demographic of america it doesn't even follow nba but just wants to fight the the woke culture and all that crap like that was even more disgusting and and like I didn't, you know, that's why I wanted to even get up, get out of this. And then using that as well, just to like prop your own desire for the MVP. You could have just said, I, my play speaks for itself, which is true. He is great this year. Like he didn't need to say anything. He was winning the MVP and he might still win the MVP. But he just, for me at least, you're just kind of like, ah, you tarnished your own good play by just like complaining about not winning the MVP. I think there's like a life lesson in here, uh, not just for NBA players, but I think for people in general, that is is just honesty, you know, and not just honesty with the public, with other people, but also with yourself. And that that is going to take you a lot farther, get you a lot more points, regardless of who you are and how you are and who you want to be. You know, I think if you're honest with yourself, people will respect that. Yeah, exactly. It just, yeah, it's because that's the thing is, again, you said it, right? Like, people, I'm not, I don't mind that people care about, you know, the awards. Uh, like, sometimes I, I wish Jokic care more as in admit that you care too. And that's because I don't think he doesn't. This year, I think he doesn't because he won two and he's like, okay, I've won two. This is great company. All these players that won two is incredible. And then I think at one point he did fed, got, you know, he was fed up with the, with the narratives to the point where, like, I'd rather say I don't care and I'm just going to separate it. But, again, he said after, like, a couple, you know, Taylor uh, Taylor Rooks interview, he said, I th- thought it was didn't matter that I, if I win the MVP. And then I looked at the list, then I thought about it, and then it kind of hit me that, wow, this is actually really cool. And then after that second one, he said, like, I'm going to talk to my – this is something cool for my kids and grandkids that, that I might look like, one You know, once I was really good at this, and, and this is the proof that I was really good at it. And so even he like changed the changed up a bit. And I think this year he probably doesn't care because of the whole like you inviting this weird like tension for no reason. And he's always asked these questions of like, what do you think about Embiid? Like, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about the MVP? And imagine for nine months, like you know, day one of the season, you start this conversation. Like, I think everyone would be fed up with it. Okay. Let's move to the last subject for tonight. I wanted actually to speak about the Pelicans, Timberwolves, Lakers, and Thunder. But since we're already uh, running pretty long, let's just stick to the to the Lakers because many of the Nuggets fans fear the Lakers the most, you know, because of the off the court stuff, the 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 historic 
discrepancy in free throws. They have something like 470 free throws more <laughs> than their opponents this season, which is actually larger than the point differential of 28 different NBA teams. So point differential. <laughs> and these are just the free throws. It's just insanity. So the Lakers, their defense sucked for most of this season. And this time they're not as huge as they were in the 2020 when the Nuggets last met them in the playoffs. AD, sure. But other than that, Mo Bamba, Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, is LeBron James. <laughs> yeah. <he's, laughs> is, is LeBron going to try and play against Nikola? Who are the guys that are supposed to stop Nikola inside? Let's start with that. Do, do you have a, a feeling about it? <laughs> I I look at I don't want to make it out as Scott if Foster. he is explicit <laughs> competition. <laughs> that's that's part of it. The free throw conversation I think is a whole aspect of this. It's going to be frustrating and annoying. Um, but I think what the Lakers really need to beat the Nuggets in a series is for Mo Bamba to play and to play well. Uh, and, and that this is true, for, I think, also for the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves just don't have LeBron James. If you can uh, frustrate Jokic with a certain amount of size, you're not going to make him have a bad series. Like, that's not that's not part of the conversation. But I think you can make him, or at the very least, the other players around him uh, inefficient enough. I think that's the really the threat that the Lakers pose. And, and at the end of the day, you know, LeBron James is is who he is. Yeah. But who is LeBron James when you mentioned that? Why is LeBron James? I mean, is How he is a, LeBron James? I mean, he is not a top five player, right? I mean... Right now, over yeah, like maybe. an 82-game plus 16-game playoff series, no. But I think in a moment, in a stretch, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's still there if he needs it. Is he going to be healthy? I think that's a separate question. I think they both, him and Anthony Davis, Anthony Day to Davis, both need to be <laughs> healthy, you know, for the entirety of that series as well. That's important. Yeah. I The, the funny thing is, for me, it was, so they lost, the, the couple, few games they lost to the Lakers. A couple of games, right? It was two and two with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or three and one, two. Um, the, the thing with that was, it was for me at least like it was actually Westbrook that beat us because the second unit because he's such a zero to sixty guy that I don't think the second unit could hang with with Westbrook led second unit of the Lakers because he was he there was no one to stay in front of him and so he, that's what he would that's his that was that was his thing and so now I don't they don't have him so so my thing with you know if the Lakers would be let's say assuming the free throw crap like goes out the windows like it's actually a little more balanced even though they're ahead of the free throws at least they're not calling bullshit and and like actually allowing Jokic to get like you know wob you know clobbered inside and not calling anything uh if they keep up the mm -hmm. one in three foul call like i think nuggets are good like that that tempo is like basically 10 free throws a game for for Jokic if it's one in three calls um it gets bad if it's like one in four one in five with you know with smaller guys it's the it's that minutes without Jokic on the court. If they're if Darwin Ham like gets the rotation, so there is either Davis and then and then you have Austin Reeves that like if he continues to play out of his mind, and then they overwhelm that second unit so much that they get the game out of the rhythm enough to when other people come in, and then you also have to like take into account like that Michael Porter has to have this like brain aneurysm that he doesn't you know doesn't make like. 45% of his shots when he's open or whatever. There's, I think the Nuggets are so much better, but if you want to talk about like devil's advocate, what needs to go right for the Lakers to beat the beat the Nuggets, regardless of the ref games, it has to be these like minutes with, without Jokic on the court, and they have to consistently beat the Nuggets by like eight in both stints for that to be like kind of balanced. And then you go into the the clutch minutes and then, you know, Ben Davis maybe can go off and he's, he's had like, I think weirdly enough, the most 30, 15 games this year, uh, which is one of those. Then you go back into like, okay, yeah, it makes sense because he played like half the games this year. He rests like for a week and then he has a 30, 15 game. Uh, so, so yeah. So, I, but I don't think like 
I, I would I would call Nuggets four four one if they meet the Lakers. Like I'm that confident. And I I I hate the Lakers, and I also just think the Nuggets are so much better. It's like with Kyrie Irving last year; he was super rested on every game he was playing, so yeah. he, he put like <laughs> amazing numbers. I, I have a, another question for I you. Will guys. Play the Magic kept like five days. And you're like, yeah, sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the best perimeter defender on the Lakers? Do they have a perimeter defender at all? I good mean, question. Yeah, good question. It's uh, it's probably I mean Vanderbilt for everything I guess. Yeah, you're right. I mean, but that's yeah. the thing is like, does Jamal need an elite? Is he going to be good enough that he needs an elite guy to guard him? If he if he if a regular defender like if they put whatever I don't even know like Beasley's not a good defender but if they put Beasley and that's enough to like make him not score twenty that's a problem, right? Like that's the that's what we accept we're expecting Jamal to like score twenty on anyone, and that you know on a decent amount of percentage you know efficiency. So that's you're right. Like that's the thing is like they got you know got Pep Bev out and like you know a lot of I guess I see you know Vando I guess I don't know. Maybe Dave on Reed if he rediscovers what made him an NBA player. <laughs> is he playing uh, at all? No, he's not. I'm not sure. But I think the well, yeah, key for right. that is more just having more size than the other team and maybe not yeah. so much relying on the perimeter defense as much as the help side and that sort of closing off the paint and dominating the paint. Uh, I feel like that's always been their, their calling card. Is it Troy Brown is there? I think the Lonnie Walker, like but none of those guys are your lockdown guys. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a really strange team. I mean, I hate but so player much. by player, I'm not scared of them at all, at all. Like, yeah, sure. If Jokic is the number one guy on in that series, and I don't know, LeBron or AD is number two and number three, that's not a problem. I we agree on that. But then, who's number four? Is yeah. it Jamal? Is it Aaron Gordon? Is it Michael Porter? Pick one because all three of them are are the next three consecutive guys. So and even yeah. even the bench. I'll ask you. I mean, I'll, I'll ask you this: like, if the if they didn't have the Lakers on the jersey in that roster, you see that roster? Like, do are you afraid of them? N- nobody would be talking about them at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they're the Wizards, I mean, they were maybe because of LeBron James, but like, if they were the you know, OKC or the Wizards with their roster. Yeah, but but the talk would be like, why are why is this team wasting LeBron's yeah, prime yeah, years? Exactly. He's right. only thirty nine, right. and they're wasting his his age thirty nine. I ended up muting the Lakers word on Twitter as well the other day. I was when I saw the Lakers are going to win the title by like a Sports Illustrated chief editor or something. I'm like, I'm done, man. I, I can't like every and that was like every other tweet was like about the Lakers not fearing the Nuggets. I'm like. Okay, I guess if they need to tell themselves that, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to read this anymore. So I just muted it. I just, just screw the Lakers. So what would you, Twitter be your, sometimes your prediction of that series? What? If, what did you say? If, if the Lakers would meet the Nuggets in the first round, what would be the prediction for the, for the length of the series? 4 1. I'm going to say the Nuggets win in six games. Yeah, we, we we still need to see if they're actually able to win in five games against anybody. That's, that's also true. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll settle compromise for six. <laughs> okay, good chat, guys. Uh, people, don't forget if you if you understand Serbian, never miss an episode of Nuggets Serbia with Voya and Antun. If you're only speaking English. Then you're you you have to 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 listen to Four Corners Pod with Ray and Peter. They're awesome every week. Do you do you know who is your next guest? Do you have a guest planned? Yeah, um, we've got the Drop Step. I don't know if you've seen him on Twitter at all, but he's a great guy. Awesome from Maryland, um, and he also works for the uh, Nuggets media team, doing like video editing things like that. Yes. Um, yeah, you can uh, find me online at Rayvon Hackshaw, uh, my partner Peter, Buckets and 88, like you mentioned, and the podcast feed at Four Corner Pod. Uh, it's F O U R Corner Pod, etc. <laughs> okay, so in case you are still the listening, co- I think you corner the corner market on podcasts. 
<laughs> we can't have cornered the corner 100%. market. We have all the, all the corners here. All the corners are cornered. So yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. If you stayed with us all the way to this sentence, thank you for being super awesome. And either one I get to see. Either more.